to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are Louis D'Souza and Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Now, I just finished uh, doing a Crypto Skeptic uh, edition of the podcast, and I was looking forward to uh, interviewing our guest today, except our guest isn't here. So we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. We're going to revert to just co-host conversation. And we actually have a, a title in mind, although it's a, for many of our <laughs> listeners, it's going to be a, a rather obscure title. The title is 42. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> the title we were talking about. It comes from one of the Douglas Adams books. And if, if you aren't a fan of Douglas Adams, don't worry. You don't even have to know what the title is. It doesn't matter. But for those of you who are fans of the Douglas Adams series, we are now going to tell you the answers to life, the universe, and everything. It is indeed 42. And now here with our special correspondent, the speaker, explain to us how 42 is the answer. It's Louis D'Souza. Ah, I thought you were going to say Douglas Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was he's our special guest. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would also be a, mir- a miracle, actually, because he's deceased. But because he's dead, really, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we can do these things, well. <laughs> it would be great for radio. <laughs> it certainly. We would. have Abram Hicks. Why can't we do Douglas <laughs> Adams? <laughs> Yeah, channeling that. Well, first of all, I, I would feel sorry for anybody who would channel Douglas Adams because at least Abraham makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Douglas Adams has made more sense than, <laughs> than any book I've ever read. <laughs> but, but you're the one who described it as the best rubbish ever written. I mean, come on. That doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm very happy to be back from our vacay. We were at the, the Cape for the past week and enjoyed ourselves immensely. It, it's always kind of fun to uh, reimmerse yourself in everyday life when you get back from a holiday. And that's that's been the case for me today, trying to catch up on all the stuff that just kind of piled up on the desk. Although I have to say, I'm really glad not as much piled up this time. I mean, it, the, the pile was there. Well, it was a virtual pile, first of all. And, but, but it wasn't all that, it wasn't, it wasn't overwhelming like it so often is in the past. So I think, I think what must be happening is I'm getting better at manifestation. Like I'm manifesting not just the holiday, but the delight afterward. So I consider that to be progress of a sort. That's awesome. Good. Yeah. And, and you're well, actually I'm just, I'm you, just surprised. I, I, I didn't realize you went to South Africa to the Cape. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Cape, the other Cape. The one in America. There's one in Not America? Cape Town. Cape Town? <laughs> no, this is Cape Cod. <laughs> Oh, not Cape Canaveral. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, that's where the rocket scientists are. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, this is just seafood. This is just the best seafood, and it's wonderful seafood, and it's seafood every day. And you're basically on a seafood diet where you see food and you eat it. So it's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's like Sunday. My mother always said that you have to fish for your supper. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Although I have to, I think, I, I think I'm done with shellfish for a bit, but it was good. It was really, really good. <laughs> Did you buy it from seashell, seashells on the seashore? <laughs> no, not really. No, no, there was, there were, there were no poets. Well, actually, that's not true. Well, one of the places on, on, uh, Cape Cod, if you go out to the very furthest point on the Cape, uh, a little town called Provincetown and Provincetown, uh, used to be known for, uh, the fact that it was part of one of the original colonies. It was, it was a major, um, not major, but it was a significant um, getaway place, so to speak, for people who founded Rhode Island. But uh, is now part of Massachusetts. Go figure. No, never really made that connection myself, how they worked that out. But the point is that this wonderful little place has now transitioned over the last hmm, 30, 40, 50 years, something like that. And it is now a gay haven. So it is an LGBTQ haven full of people who want to live amongst other people who are of that like mindset. And it's a wonderful place to visit. I've really enjoyed the, the times we've been there. One of the greatest, no, not greatest, one of the most fun times 
that I've experienced there was a few years ago. They have a, a gay pride parade every year, actually often more than one. And we were there one year when they had the, the gay pride parade. Let me tell you, unless you've seen a gay pride parade in Provincetown or P-Town, as it's known, you have not really seen a gay parade. You really have not. Because these guys are so over the top with their gayness and with their pride and so forth that it's it's entertainment all by itself just to see the parade. It's a wonderful thing. But uh, when you just get to know people, um, like, they'll get in, engaged in conversation with them on a day-to-day basis. I mean, they're just, you know, like anybody else, they're just average, normal people. But they're also, they're, there's something different about people who spend their time out on this particular point of land. There's something, they have a different perspective on life, and and it ends up showing up in the culture, in the the day-to-day experience, it's hard to put your finger on it. You can see I'm kind of stumbling for words trying to figure out how do I identify mm-hmm. this thing. I can't quite identify it. But it's a different it's a different feeling. You know how you go to a place, any place it is around the world that you're going to. You're going there on holiday. You're going there on business, whatever. And there's always a feel to the place. P-Town has a feel unlike any other place I've ever been to. It doesn't. It's not a big city, so there's no big city feel to it. It's not your typical rural area by any stretch of the imagination because it's a resort community, basically. Um, but it's not like other resort communities either. It, it's, I, I'm, I'm running out of adjectives. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a great vibe. It's a really, really great vibe. So we enjoyed that part immensely, just the visit to P-Town, not to mention the other uh, wonderful places that we went to on the Cape, including Martha's Vineyard for people who know the area. Yes, we did go to the vineyard. It was wonderful. <laughs> this great vibe, did you find it alien in any way? Alien? No. No, it actually felt very, um, I won't say familiar, very comfortable. Homely. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe homely. Yeah, kind of. More more like, you know, you, you have a favorite sweater that you put on. It's that kind of a feel. I'm getting the word accepting. But usually when things are that different, they, they feel a bit alien. That's why I'm quite curious about it all. Well, what was the word, Anne-Marie? I was getting the word accepting him coming into my head, just yeah. acceptance. There's a lot of acceptance in that community for obvious mm. reasons. But, yeah, it's a very mm. accepting world to be in um, when you're part of that community or when you're visiting that community. And I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So. Oh, Nam gave us a comment in the live stream. He says, this year will be my first year experience pride as an out gay man. We had our pride festivities this coming Weekend, congratulations! That's fabulous. Yeah. What does an out gay man mean? Meaning somebody who has acknowledged publicly that he is gay. Oh, okay. An out gay man. God, all these words I have to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is a nomenclature to the whole thing. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Took me a while. uh, As as we're calling this uh, session forty-two, I was wondering if I can. Put Anne-Marie on the spot. I'm sure you can. The question is, will she go along? <laughs> what was I doing at 42? Um... <laughs> uh, I, I've always wanted to ask you this. Um, oh. After, you know, you've been on the show for so long and all the rest of it. How would, how would you describe life and how it works? Oh, wow, Louie. How do no, that's a lot of Howard, well, life is what you make it. Um, how would I describe it? Life is a gift of opportunities. It's an experience. And how would I describe it? Interesting. I think I would describe it as a roller coaster mm. of much fun, lots of highs, lots of lows, but not lots of lows, but you know, you go down, your stomach goes. Um, yeah, that's how I'd res- describe it. It's not a bad description. How would you describe it, Louis? So the core of life is life. Everything else is second to that one very specific thing. It's life. So anything else comes second to it. So life is the most important thing in the world. Being alive, life is all there is, really. 
Um, <clears throat> there is the only goal in life is what you want to make it. Yeah. There is no other goal. Nobody's telling you what to do, where to go, how to do it. Whatever you want to achieve is your, is your business. And the way we have to work, or we have to work around a few things because we're in a, we're in a computer game kind of thing. And the rule, the basic rule to it is a universal law of attraction. Okay. And where you place your focus, you're going to amplify a certain vibration within yourself, which is going to draw light things to you. The guidance system that you have is your emotional guidance system. When it feels good, head that direction. When it feels bad, turn around and go the other way. <laughs> um, and contrast is your teacher. Mm-hmm. When you know what you don't want, you have a better idea what you do want. That's a good summary. That is, that is how I would describe it. Um, and if you, if you have that kind of clarity and basis of your life, what I've just described, you find life is very, very simple and easy to navigate. That's true. As, as time has yeah. gone on, as I've become more and more familiar with this overall topic that is the basis for this podcast, I've found that my understanding has simplified over time. Mm. I started a lot more complex and it's, it's gotten down to the point where it's, it's just a, a handful of concepts. And mm-hmm. I feel like I have the concepts down pretty well in my understanding, mm-hmm. maybe not mm-hmm. so much in my real world application, but certainly in my understanding. And it just makes it easy. The whole, the whole scenario, the, the whole universal thing. It's easy now. It, it all, for the first time in my life, it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I like yes. that. I agree. It definitely gets simpler, doesn't it? Because you, you kind yeah. of, things happen and you know not to fret about it so much. Right. And you just, you just like, well, this is going to happen and I'm going to trust and it resolves itself so much quicker. So I just find it's, yeah, it definitely gets a lot simpler. So the philosophy around that aspect, Anne-Marie, I find is this. There's only two ways a human can be hurt. Physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Now, are if somebody group- physically... Are you grouping emotionally with mental? Because of the circular effect from what you think affects how you feel and how you feel affects how you think. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm lobbing them together. Okay. All right. Um, very definitely because I don't see any, any way of changing your emotional state without changing your thinking first. It's an interesting question actually, because it it is something that I've been, attempting in various ways to do. I I never really thought about it in terms of me trying to change my emotional state without thinking specifically. I never really thought about it in those terms, Mm -hmm. but there have been many times where I, I am just practicing shifting my emotional state. No, seemingly no prior thought content leading into it. Just can I, I, I'm feeling this way right now. Can I shift it to something else? Can I shift it? That's a thought. (laughs) <laughs> That's the tricky part here, isn't it? Because yeah. thoughts are just kind of, they, they you can't of you can't brain. separate these yeah. two. It's just like yeah. <clears throat> so I guess the chicken does become come before the egg, or is it the other way around? <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I told yeah, you about it, that that sauna story, Walt, didn't I? This guy, you know, they were always trying to come up with with questions that would that would fool me. So. <laughs> so one guy says, Which, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I said, I've got the best answer for you, but you're not going to like it at all. <laughs> and he says, what's that? I said, who cares? <laughs> I, said, I said to him, the chicken comes first. How's it going to change your life? <laughs> okay, the egg comes first. How's it going to change your life? Who cares? <laughs> that is the best answer I've heard on that one, I have to say. <laughs> So the person who posed the question just feels totally dismissed and disrespected. That's exactly. Like, <laughs> so you weren't going to like the answer. <laughs> You're just like emulating Marvin from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's Guide to the Galaxy, yes. Yeah. 
I got a brain the size of a planet and they asked me to make tea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, paranoid android yeah so going back to it there's only two ways you can um feel pain or what was the word i used um there's only only way there's only two ways you can be hurt okay physically and emotionally now if physically if somebody comes and stabs you or whatever we've got a whole process in our society you've got the police and the judges and the jail and the psychologists and you got you got all that stuff yeah but if you were hurting yourself well that's also considered part of that same system in some ways what well for instance it's illegal to commit suicide so if you try to commit suicide they'll get involved anyway Unless you succeed. Yeah, if you said it doesn't matter. really make much difference. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm presuming that you didn't succeed, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, what is happening in the background uh, is if you are, how old are we? 50, 40, 50, 60, whatever. Okay. Um, and, and we've spent our entire life and we haven't learned how to not hurt ourselves with our minds. <laughs> well, there, that's an interesting point that you're raising there let, let, let's let's go into it just a little bit more how yeah, many people sure. are even aware that they're hurting themselves with their own minds this is the question that's why i'm bringing it up that's why mm. i'm making that's why i'm making the statement i want people to be aware that if you're feeling scared of spiders all it is is a thought in your head mm. spiders are doing nothing <laughs> spiders know, didn't even know that you had a thought about them exactly <laughs> <laughs> Snakes don't care, <laughs> you know. Um, so it, it, it's just you affecting yourself. If you if you've got a fear of the bully at school, it's nothing to do with the bully. It's about you. And then this is why the universal law of attraction works. If you go out there with confidence and no worry about bully, nobody bothers you. The bully doesn't even see you in the playground. <laughs> You're not a match to him. You don't well, exist. Plus, so. plus, Louise brought something up that kind of ties into this. Um, we were talking about this during the holiday, actually. Um, she brought up the idea of how um, people often describe themselves when she brings up the law of attraction as a concept there, they often describe themselves as being positive people, but their experience doesn't match what she says should happen. And she brought it up to me kind of as a way of saying, how do you handle a situation like that? My, my, instant response was, well, I want to know how they're spending their time. What are they giving their attention to? Like, how much news are they watching? How, how, how closely do they follow politics? What entertainment are they enjoying? You know, how do, how do they spend their day-to-day moments and take a look at what it is that they're actually focusing their attention on? Because there are a lot of people who consider themselves to be very positively oriented who spend a whole lot of time focusing on stuff they don't like and don't want, but they don't recognize it. They don't recognize it. They don't know that that's going on. So that's why I asked my question earlier. How do, how do we know that people realize that they're hurting themselves? I'm not so sure that they know that. I'm not so sure they realize that all the stuff that they're giving attention to is coming back and, and basically rebounding on themselves in ways that they don't. Biting them in the ass is the same. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and to make the matters even more confusing, that's one of the reasons we came here in the first place. That's one of the reasons we came into this life in the first place, to experience exactly that. (laughs) So not only do we have an entire population or most of a population that isn't even aware that they're hurting themselves, but they came here deliberately to do that. (laughs) And and our societal structure, which from schooling and all the rest of it, which sharpens our intellect to a sharp razor blade knife after we finish school and are even sharper after we finish university Mm. um that knife starts cutting other people up as as well as ourselves or more more of ourselves by far than than other people but sharp knives will do that if you wield them yeah exactly so you know but you can wield a knife for very positive reasons Mm -hmm. and uses you really can but we're we're sitting here as humanity and we're cutting ourselves to pieces absolute pieces um mentally and we don't even know as you say there's that lack of awareness that we're even doing it which is like wow <laughs> and, and what happens can... if we do become aware too what was that Marie? 
So I was just going to say, you know, I, I can see, see that with, with my children. Like I can see my eldest one sort of coming home saying things, you know, peer pressure. And she'll say things, oh, I don't like this about myself. And I'm like, no, don't think like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you like? Focus on what you do like. And actually, you know, if you don't like your legs, if they're too hairy, you know, they're strong. They get you to places. You can do scootering. You can go roller skating. Think about what you can do with them. And just fo- trying to change her mindset on what she doesn't like. It's just focus on what you do. Oscar, who's hurting us? Tell mm-hmm. her that emotional pain she's feeling. Asking her who's hurting her. It'll be and me. Wait, wait until she gets to the point that she's hurting herself. <laughs> yes. Okay? Yes. And absolutely. if she's hurting herself, can she stop it? Mm-hmm. And how does she stop it? By doing what you just suggested, focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. But really getting into the process of making sure she understands that she is doing to herself. She has a psychological drama going on in her head and she's mm-hmm. cutting herself up. She's taking a knife inside herself and slashing around. That's yeah. what she's doing. But until people are aware that that's what they're doing, then they don't even realize that they can stop doing it. The one, the one question I always say in the sauna to people is, can you choose your next thought? Of course, there's also a secondary question that follows that, because let's assume that you do get to the point where you are aware, self-aware, so aware that you, you realize what you're doing to yourself and you recognize the fact that you are alluding to here, the fact that you can choose differently. You don't have to keep repeating the same pattern. But even in that scenario, what we've what we've been experiencing directly, I've seen this through guests I've had on the program, other co-hosts, uh, people that we've responded to on social media and so forth. I've seen the pattern play out over and over again. People who, on the one hand, recognize that they're causing various, usually small, sometimes large harms to themselves. And on the other hand, find themselves either unable or unwilling or both to change it. And, and to me, it's, so, it's one of the most fascinating aspects of being a human being. So, so when you break that down, Walt, why would you want? Why would you not want to change something that's hurting you? It's well, that, because that's, it's that's become an active vibration. Well, more than that, it's become, and it's become an active. The, the train is going downhill fast. Well, it's also because you've been giving your attention to it. But that's what an active vibration is. Exactly. But here's the interesting part of it. We came into this world choosing to be a part of this world so we could give that active vibration, so that we could actually engage in, indulge in, if you will, indulge in focusing our attention on stuff that ends up hurting ourselves. That that does seem to be a, a significant part of how we so, came here. So, so the way Abram puts it is that is not the way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to be is, oh, that's what I don't want. Let me focus on what I do want. Mm. And you're not really supposed to spend more than 14 seconds on it. Therefore, it never becomes active and, and you can move on in life. But we have done it to ourselves. We've activated it so strongly that it now has become difficult, if not in our minds, impossible to change. Well, not only impossible, in, in, undesirable. There are people mm. who will defend their activities in these regards to the death. They, I mean, they, they, there is absolutely no way that they're interested in, in making any kind of change along these lines because I don't know what the because is. I haven't quite figured that part out. But the, I mean, the, the resistance is massive. It's, even when it becomes very apparent to the person, even when they become you know intensely aware of the role that they're playing in making it all happen, they're not willing to change in so many cases. And, and to me, that's fascinating. I'm still trying to understand it. Yeah, I mean, if we've got free will, we've obviously got the right, the privilege, and the honor to torture ourselves as much as we want, haven't we? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's it's not surprising to me at all. Um, you know, I like working with people who who are ready and want to change, and sweats it's just amazing when i walk into the sauna everybody oh you know law of attraction or this or that or you know <laughs> you're, you're and, right and they just you. <laughs> and and uh, you know i've just been reading about it or i just started it or you know i'm fascinated by it or i'm a yoga teacher i was just talking about yoga and breathing 
And she says, oh, I'm actually a, a, a Hatha uh, yoga teacher. Not a Hatha, a Prana yoga teacher. Mm. With the, that's about the breathing in yoga. And, you know, I was like, ah, oh, so you know the couple Bhatti and the Vastrika, you know, the skull shining breath and the, the bellows. She says, yeah, yeah, of course I know them. You know, I teach them. And, uh, you know, we're having this great conversation. But, you know, I'm just starting off on one thing and then immediately everything just sinks, 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 sinks. Uh, and it's just amazing. But, you know, those are the people that I'm, I'm ready and willing and happy to talk to. Sure. And I'm the vibration to. And, and those are the ones that are drawn to me. And we have these great conversations. And it's really cool. But those other people, you know, it's hard for me to even believe they exist because I don't see them. <laughs> <laughs> I hear them from Walt and I hear them from maybe Amory or something, but I, I don't meet them. I don't bump into them. You know? It's like, okay. I'm sure they're out there. I believe they're out there. I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> um, I think, but it's not, it's not really the ones I bump into. It's just interesting. Yeah. I don't I think that some people are actually scared to be anything but unhappy. They're scared of being happy in case it goes wrong again. Um, no, Abram people... says that's a complete fallacy. And he really? explained, they explain why. Yeah, well, basically you're saying that I'm too scared to be successful concept. Mm -hmm. yeah? I'm too scared to be happy, which is successful. Yeah. So yeah. what they're saying is when, when you're scared, you're focused on what you don't want. And you're nowhere yeah. near the vibration of what you do want. So it's not that you're scared of it. You're just so actively in oh, one wait. side. Yeah that you you haven't been taught the emotional guidance scale and come up the scale, you know, go from depression to revenge to rage to anger to frustration to I don't care to, you know, you haven't been taught to go to the next step where you're at yeah. and then play with that. So you're, you're completely lost there. And, and then people make up these ridiculous statements that, you know, I'm too, uh, I'm too scared to be successful or, you know, I'm not worthy, you know, and all, and all these things. So, they explain that that's, that's not really the case. When, when you're in the vicinity of what you don't want, you're nowhere near the vicinity of what you do want. Which is very true. You're not even in the same ballpark. You're, nope. you're not even on the nowhere same. Nowhere near it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like over there and over there, way over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long it's, way apart. It's like Abram, Abram Hicks laughs at these people that say, you know, I'm crying. I'm so happy. I said, no, no, no. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, it does for, for many. Actually, this kind of starts to touch on what it is I was bringing up earlier. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll give you one example that kind of illustrates it. Uh, Louise and I were talking about a friend of ours who's going through some rough stuff right now. And in, in the course of the conversation, Louise made a point to me that I hadn't really, I, I think I kind of knew about it, but I never really brought it to my conscious mind. And that is for generations, women were taught that it was, it was perfectly okay for them to cry, but it wasn't okay for them to be angry. So anger had to be repressed. Tears, that was okay. That was fine. That was expected from a woman, but anger was not acceptable. And so women were not allowed to be angry. I thought that's a really interesting point. I can I, kind I, of I see some true. social um, impetus for that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I could see that too. I mean, it does kind of make some sense. So it, it it's like, it's like men on the other hand are not allowed to cry. <laughs> Yeah, we had our own issue. But we're very, very, very happy to be angry. Yeah, right. We, we could get angry. We just couldn't show any tears. Yeah, that, that was strange. Yeah. I guess still, so when you have, really you have balance there, right? It? Yeah, mm, weird balance. <laughs> but but so, it does so, it illustrate something. It illustrates how it is that you can get into a mindset that makes you unwilling to change. I mean, that somebody, who, I'm not saying that, that, uh, somebody who is female and wanted to be able to express mm -hmm. anger on some level, um, it didn't mean they would ever want to express anger. But nevertheless, people spend years in therapy just trying to get to the point where they can express anger. Or if it's a male, the other way around, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get to the point where they can express uh, tears. And I, I don't know what would happen if you explained Abrahamic principles in such a therapeutic scenario. But I'm I'm kind of willing to bet that a lot of them still would say, yeah, I get it. And then they just, they just keep right on going with the same pattern. Yeah. Mm. And that's the part I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm trying to grasp what it is. Because I know it's a pattern that I also recognize in myself. 
we all have this, you made reference to it earlier. You talked about the momentum of the thing, that a momentum builds over time. And that over time, that as it continues to grow, it becomes harder and harder to overcome it. And that's true. But it's a very abstract way of describing a very visceral feeling. When you're in the midst of it, when you're in the midst of that kind of trying to overcome the momentum, it can feel like life and death. I mean, it isn't. You don't stop feeling. and say, ooh, I've got an active vibration. Isn't no, it? that's the last thought going through your mind. That's what Louis does, but hey. <laughs> that's right. Well, we always do. He was a little strange, but yeah. <laughs> but the visceral experience is that, no, that's the way life is. And, of course, we know that's how we made life, so that's, of course, the way life is. But within the experience of it, the experience of it is it's like what you were referring to earlier. It's the experience of the person who fears that something's going to happen. And it doesn't really matter whether, you know, the snake is actually there. The snake is in the mind. And so it's, it's as if the snake were there. It's, it's almost a, a distinction without a distinction at that point. But even if the snake was there, you could cuddle it and give it some love. Kissing. Yeah. I'm sure that'd be the first thing that was out of the mind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just because but it is really think... there doesn't mean you're scared of it either. That's the point I was trying to point out. I do think with some people, though, in that vibration where it is their comfort zone, you mm. learn that that's your comfort well, zone. Well, an active vibration stepping... is a comfort zone, isn't it? It's but the even, same definition, yeah. really. Yeah. It's a but comfort even the zone. lower mood... It, it, well, I like to call it a familiar zone because I don't think it's all that comfortable. Well, but that's true. It, it's very, very Some familiar. People. And, and there's something, there, there's something that we kind of perceive as being safe about something that's familiar, even if it's not safe, just because it's yes. the safest thing we've known. Yes. And that raises the question in my mind, well, why did we choose to come into this world Forgetting all the stuff that we knew. That part makes no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> I've heard lots of explanations about it. Well, Every I, one of them I say, oh, that sounds interesting. And I say to myself, you're so full of it. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one story I've heard, Walt, is that how would you like to remember that you were an old man, young man, girl, boy, um, this planet, that planet, this, this life form or that life form? Um, if you had all those memories, you wouldn't be able to focus. Why not? Okay, maybe you can. Do you think you can? Shall I download to you a couple of thousand lifetimes and see how you can deal with them all in your head at once? I didn't ask for that. I asked, why can't you? I I'm just saying, have you, have you tried to... Uh, <laughs> That's not answering the uh, question. Why I can't you? <laughs> um, I'm not saying you can't. Oh, okay. I'm saying, I would, I'm saying it, I don't think it would be that comfortable. Well, that, that's the whole point, though, isn't it? That's precisely the point. We are in a comfort zone. So we're choosing a discomfort as being more comfortable. We've also chosen to unremember them, to, to, to scrape out. I mean, we don't even know what it's like to be dead. And we were there before we came here. It's wiped out. It's completely completely absolutely erased and it's really clever it's a really clever program or or really psychotic one or the other <laughs> well I, I know I, I i get your point yeah i mean i mean psychosis um, is clever really when you come down to it <laughs> it's it's really interesting i think i think it's fascinating how how this whole life works and and you know, what, what I've really boiled everything down to is this is what I know. This is what I understand. Mm -hmm. And this is where I will move from and, you know, go to based on where I am now. I mean, I can't tell you what, what was there before I was born. I can't. So I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to make up ideas. I'm not going to talk what other people have said. I'm just going to say I don't know. I, that, that, I like that. That's very reasonable. Basically, I, I don't have. I have a whole bunch of questions I can't answer, so I'm not going to try. I'm just going to live my life the best way I can. That's a great philosophy. I, I really like. Yeah, that. I mean, I mean, to me, it's not so much a philosophy as just being honest with yourself. Okay, sure. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, when a Christian starts talking to me about heaven, I said, "Have you been there?" <laughs> I said, "Talk about something you where you've been, where you've done." Don't. Talk to me about something you don't know anything about. That you're talking about something something else said. 
or some book set or whatever. Talk to me about what you do know, and then we can have some great chat. But but the book did say it, therefore it's true. I don't care. It didn't, <laughs> didn't happen to you. Talk about yeah. what happened to you. And when they said they've had some spiritual experience, I've had them too. Let's talk about them. But don't make them up to be heaven or this or that. Just say, I had an out-of-body experience or I had this kind of experience and this happened and that happened. But don't don't say it was heaven or it was this or it was hell or whatever. Just say, this is what I experienced. Just be honest about what you've seen. You know, it's that whole thing about never look up to anybody and never look down to anybody. See somebody who they are, exactly who they are. There is a challenge in here, though. Well, actually, there, <clears throat> there are a lot of challenges, but one particular challenge is coming to my attention right now. And that is the challenge with the fact that everything that we experience can be described as a dream. I, I was mentioning that to Louise over the holiday, that, you know, the old children's song, Row, Row, Row Your Boat, Gently Down the Stream, Merrily, 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 Life is But a Dream. Well, life is but a dream. For the first time in my life, I get that. I didn't get it when I was a kid, but I finally grasped, yeah, life really is a dream. And because life is a dream, it basically means life is made up of all of the different thoughts that we all think individually and collectively, all kind of swimming together, so to speak. And that that is the essence of, of what makes life. Well, because of that, I can have experiences that I believe that I had because that's what I was thinking about. That's what I'm focusing my attention on. To an extent, I'm creating it in my mind. And I can also hear experiences that other people talk about. And I can kind of take them on board too. And this is where the line starts to blur because that's really what religious books are. Religious books are stories that other people claim they experienced in their own minds, in their own lives. And they share them with us. So here's the question. Which of them are true? <laughs> and the answer is, well... Who who thought about it and who took it on? The the there's that's, another that's dimension it. to it is is who interpreted it. Well, yeah, sure, that's mm -hmm. part of it. And sure. when you get your your version of it, how you interpret it, which means that there really are no invalid um, mental uh, images, pictures, or whatever. They're all no. valid. Yeah. So what Abram says is, and I like this, nothing that man has ever created slashed thought about because any creation is, a, is first a thought. So there's nothing anybody's ever thought about that is ever lost. It's always retained. Everything mm. is always retained. Nothing's ever lost. So all that <laughs> hatred or anger or frustration <laughs> is never lost. It's still there. That vibration is still floating around the ethers or whichever way you want to look at mm. where the vibration is. So yeah. the only thing that changes is where's your vibrate, where's your focus now? And what you were talking about, Walt, I like putting in this way. You were talking about, let, let, let me put it this way. What, are, what is the difference between a human and an animal? I haven't figured that out yet. Okay. So a human has two abilities that animals tend not to. Okay. One is extensive memory. I'm not sure that's true, but okay, we'll, we'll pause it. And the other one is is um, the ability to visualize and create. Okay, I'm not Those sure that's two. true either. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. I said if you want to look at what is really different between animals and man, and why he is running this planet at the moment, is because of those two aspects: the accumulation of memory and. Well, this is where I think Douglas Adams is really helpful because Adams posited mm -hmm. the idea that humans were actually only the third most intelligent life form on the planet and that the two uh, more advanced life forms were dolphins and mice, laboratory mice, mice yeah. in particular, um, and that the planet was actually created by mice. Now, personally, I consider that to be a rather robust and idiotic idea, but it was fun and mm -hmm. it was entertaining to read. Uh, but I, I think it also raised a very interesting point. And I, I think I would frame the point this way. I'm not so sure that any of us humans are any more uh, able to visualize than other life forms, not just animals, all life forms. I'm not sure we're able, more able to visualize. I'm not sure we're, we're more able to do any of the things that your uh, 
subscribe, uh, ascribing to humans, saying that humans have that, that others don't have. I'm not so sure it's true. In fact, I have reason to believe it's not true. I look at my own cats, and I see my cats exhibiting behaviors that I could, on the one hand, dismiss in a human, you know, superficial human is superior uh, viewpoint, and say, "Oh well, though that's just a that, that's the equivalent of a monkey typing out Shakespeare on a typewriter." Or I could look at it from the point of view that I do look at it, which is, wow, these cats are pretty damn amazing. These guys are able to create all kinds of scenarios in their mind, and I can see evidence of it. So I don't really buy I, I know what Abraham said. I'm aware of what Abraham said. I don't really buy what Abraham said there. I'm not so sure it's That's true. not Abram, by the way. Well, actually, Abraham did say something along this line. I'm not, I have to take it back then if you were referring to somebody else. But I, I do recall Abraham talking about how humans are, are able to do, how they say it? Humans are able to create in ways that animals are not able to. And I think it had something to do with how, well, how did they say it? I can't remember exactly what they said, but they did say something along that line. But who is your reference? So who, who are you referring to when you, uh, um, it's, um, a yogi, a yogi, a Indian oh, okay. yogi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, you, you can argue that point, but, um, I still see humans as being able to, you know, we've, we've built incredible things. We've done incredible things. We've been in incredible places. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and a cat hasn't, you know, okay, might have done other things in its own little world. Um, but in comparison to what we've manifested in this world, you know, there's just no comparison between any animal and a human. There's just, just, just nothing. You, you can go whichever way you look at it. You're not saying that they're not more spiritual or more aware or more anything else, but the ability to, to remember all the past, put them all together and create something new and to visualize it and to manifest it. Um, humans are really pretty damn good at that. Um, but then if you I'm take sure all of this away, they would survive more probably than we would. Yeah, I mean, you go back to my, my story about safe soil. Um, you know, if you removed all insects from the world, the humans would die in 20 years. Mm-hmm. If you removed all the worms from the world, um, the humans would die in five years. And if you removed all the humans from the world, the world would thrive. But it still doesn't mean they would make towers fly planes, you know, do any of that. They, they, they would just continue living, you know, instinctively doing what they've always done and, and do it well. Um, but, you know, humans do have the ability to, to do incredible things, and we have. I mean, we're able to have these conversations, a podcast and all the rest of it, and, you know, chat about philosophies and concepts and ideas. And, you know, I'm not quite sure any 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 other form of life on this planet does anything like that. I mean, I hadn't seen any evidence of it. But, uh, you know, it Personally, it I agree with you on it that. It doesn't exist. I just don't think it's the only measure of... of no, it's not the only growth. measure. No, but, but I certainly um, agree that it's something that's unique to humans. You know, if, if you go back far in your past lives, um, you may remember that you were a rock and then you were a vegetable. Um, fauna and flora. And, and I'm not so sure there were a lot animal of people <laughs> Sorry? I'm not so sure there aren't some people who aren't still there. <laughs> yeah, but the way Abram puts it is quite interesting. He says you start the whole process again eventually when you get very enlightened. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which really puts a spanner in the works. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so you start kind of getting, an, you know, from that I kind of got the idea um, of the endless expansion uh, that that source is doing. That kind of gave me an inkling, tiny inkling of what this endless expansion is. Yeah, when the enlightened topic. guru becomes a rock again, you know, and goes through the whole process from the beginning. <laughs> that, that, that's another topic <coughs> I have, I've not spent a lot of time on, but I've kind of wondered about like, what exactly is this expansion stuff they're talking about? And it isn't just mm. Abraham who talks about that. Um, Streamer David also talks about the same thing. Others have talked about it as well. And it's an interesting idea. It certainly is worthy of some attention, but it's it's an abstraction. As an it abstraction, is, absolutely. It's, it, it, and if we it, to be really, really honest with ourselves, we don't know. That's right, because we an abstraction is really only useful, truly useful, if we know what it, it's it's abstracted from. Abstractions have to be abstracted from something that we can generically call concrete in order for us to make sense out of them, literally to sense them. So 
if we are talking about an abstraction that we don't have a clear way to sense from, then we don't, you're right. We don't know there, there, there is knowledge is knowing through senses in this context. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, we don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember Walt a long time ago, I said there was this friend of mine and he phoned me up and he said, you know, <clears throat> should I sell my shares and all the rest of it? And in, in this company that he had, he had helped build, etc. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I had a long chat with him on the phone. I think he lost it a month now. And I said to him, first of all, I know that you've already made your decision. And <laughs> the only thing I'll guide you to do is, is trust your, you know, trust your emotional guidance. So hmm. which one feels better? Right. And he went with it and he sold his shares and three or four years later, he sent me a text a couple of days ago saying, um, <clears throat> say, saying to me, you know, I'm so glad I sold them because, you know, if I was still in now, it would have to put in all the all the money that I would have got out, uh, that I got out back in to keep it going and all the rest of it. And I would have lost everything and, and all the rest of it. And I, I said to him, no, I'm so glad it went well for you. But that was not the lesson. Mm. <laughs> that was not the lesson. I know it turned you into a millionaire and, and all mm. the rest of it, but, and, but, what I was teaching you was emotional, uh, was trusting your intuition. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And trusting your intuition is not going to based on, it's not going to be based on you're going to be financially well off. It's going to know exactly what you need at that moment and what is best for you. And it's going to supply, you know, the feeling good and you're going to do it. And tomorrow something bad may happen. You know, if this had turned out all bad, he would come back to me and chat on me. But he wouldn't have learned the key, the key lesson, which is trust your emotional guidance at the time because it's always right. You know, yeah. and, and it's something we really have to practice. It's not something yes. we're, we're born with, you know, it's not something we taught at school, nothing our parents taught. You have to try, you have to learn to practice this emotional guidance, um, trusting your emotional guidance aspect. Um, and, and it's really fascinating to me how that has all worked out. You know, he's now made a conclusion, which is, is to me out of the ballpark, what I was trying to share at the time. And, you know, if I have the opportunity, um, I will try and explain it to him if, if he wants me to. Otherwise, I won't even do that. Um, but, you know, it's an important lesson for anybody to understand is, is how to trust this emotional guidance. It is at the moment that it's given. And... And it's given for the best of your spiritual advancement, not for your financial gain. You know, <laughs> um, I've also been well. Well, actually, financial gain can actually come along with that. It's just not, like you said, it's not. The and it did with him. Of it. Sure, and it yeah. did with him. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the, to me, the 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 fascinating portion of this, because I think you're touching on something important, which is the idea of trusting that emotional guidance, Dale, trusting that intuition. I think I, I've come to a conclusion about this that I hadn't previously reached. And that is, I think we all do trust it. Mm. I think we do trust it in, in, in the awareness aspect again. Yeah. Well, no, not quite. No. What the problem is that when we trust it or when we think we trusted that I should probably underline that when we think we have trusted it, we end up with results we didn't want. If the problem is in the lack of trust. The trust was there. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten to the point where we got the result that we didn't want. The problem is that we didn't like the result. And so because we didn't like the result, we decided, well, that must mean we don't really trust it. Oh, but we did trust it. We do trust it. We trust it continuously. We just don't like the result. And we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're foisting not liking the result on trust. But trust is not the issue. We so often the make way the issue, but it really isn't the issue. The way I would have put it for this person was, um, I know what he's done with the confidence of that money. He's mm -hmm. as a single guy who's had a lot of fun on the market okay. <laughs> for a long time after, you know, got in, getting married, having a son, being divorced, you know, kind of looking after the son, um, on weekends and all the rest of it. Um, but, uh, the point I'm trying to make is he, he found another partner and another family and it's worked so well for him. 
And I don't know if he would have trusted it without that kind of financial support. So there, there were other factors that it could have led up to it, even if he did lose along the way, you know. It's so important to learn to just trust your emotional guidance um, at the time. And it, it really is learning to look very carefully at the kind of results you get and to see, you know, are they benefiting you on some level or not? Because <clears throat> um, the way Abram puts it in really simple, simplistic terms is, when do you think you make your, make your better decisions, when you're happy or when you're unhappy? And clearly it's when you're happy. Yeah. I once employed somebody whose answer to a question was, I would trust my gut. And I just thought, yeah, that's what I want, mm. because I knew then they were already in tune with what the role was. Mm-hmm. Mm. I agree. Yeah, that's always a good I remember. <laughs> so I, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, I always look at somebody's nails when, when they come into an interview. If they're not prepared <laughs> to keep their nails clean and tidy, I don't trust I don't think anybody who ever hears this who's a, who interviews people will ever stop looking at nails. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, my dad took quite a lot of care about his nails. Um, but uh, There's also I a flip remember... side to it. The person who doesn't take care of his nails is the person who's not afraid to dig his fingers into the soil. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But when you come for an interview, you should at least clean. <laughs> That's what you're interviewing for. If you're interviewing for a gardener position, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a forester. So, yeah, you have a yeah. point, you know. Right. <laughs> But I have another incident in the sauna. How much time we got? We two okay. Um, we got to think about um, So I'm in the sauna and the, this big black African with his gold chain comes in chatting on the phone. I'm alone in the sauna. It was the outside sauna and he's, he's yabbering away. And the conversation was quite interesting. He was really trying to help this person in his own way. And uh, he goes out and then he, he comes back in again. And, you know, like I'm, on my third hour of the sauna and, and it <laughs> spinning in the air in any case. And I was saying like, please just don't talk in here. This spot. I think this is a first. The first time I've ever heard Louis say, I didn't want to have a conversation. Don't talk phone. on your phone in the sauna. Okay. Not to talk, talk in general. That's okay. That's acceptable. And, uh, you, you know, the guy kind of makes this conversation short and, you know, I, I said, and he said something. I said, what did you say? And he's like, rah, 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 and he got all upset. And he's like, I said, I'll stop, you know, kind of thing. I said, okay. But he was doing a very aggro. So then his mate comes in, blaring away with this heavy rock on his phone, loud as anything. And I'm going, OMG. I said, please turn that off. And the guy looks at me. Who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, I've had it. Phone calls, <laughs> you know, loud music, all the rest of it. I said, I'll let management deal with it. I walked out, told the lady, and she came in and started dealing with the guys. And so I went back into the sauna just to lie down and, you know, let management deal with it. I wasn't going to get involved. Yes, it's in the laws that you're not supposed to, you know, talk on the phone and, and play loud music in the, in, the, in the sauna. No, it's not. And, you know, these guys are getting all upset. And the guy's, who do you think you are? He talks to me lying down. No. No, what, he, what he said is the way he reacted when I asked him to turn the phone off when he got all aggro. He was acting like, oh, I was just being kind and, and turning off my phone, you know. And I, I just laughed. I said, yeah, you make me laugh because he did it so angrily, you know. Mm. His words were saying one thing and his yeah. body language was saying another. And uh, I just I just said, I had, to, I had to pop up and say, you know, you just make me laugh. He <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, who the hell are you? And, you know. And he, and he, and he get up and he says, I've just joined. I don't care a fuck. I'll just fuck you up. And he got right in front of it, in front of everybody, your two management staff and everybody. And, um, I said, bring it on. You know, I stood up and I was like, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that was completely instinctive. I, I didn't plan that or nothing. That was just, you know, my, my, my male alpha ego just jumping up and. <laughs> 
and, and then, then, the, then the, the lady was trying to sort it all out. The, the staff was saying, I think it's best if you leave. <laughs> we can deal with the situation. <laughs> um, but it, it was really interesting. The point I'm really trying to, trying to bring up here was that, that, that aspect. If he said to me, why did I say, uh, why did I say you make me laugh? Two things. There, there were two things that were going through my mind at the time. One is I actually think I get along well with this guy. I really do. I understand Listening that, to that conversation and all yeah. the rest of it. I think I get along well with it. The other thing is the difference between saying, I love you or yeah. you're horrible. You know, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, I love you. Uh, no, what's it? <laughs> How does it go? Um, if you get them completely the opposite way around. So, I love you. And then I hate, I hate you. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's listening to the meaning of the words and not the words themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and that's such an important thing is we, we know how to do that from young. You know, we listen to our parents and we test them. So we're testing, we, we're testing with our parents. We're testing what they mean or what they say. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and we know how to do it from a young age, but um, as we get older, we, it kind of all gets blurred and confused. And I see a lot of people don't really know what's what anymore. <laughs> well, for good reason. People have learned how to mask it. So the body language, if it didn't match the actual language before, it matches it even less well now. It's gotten worse over time rather than better. So the but sequel, worse means it would be clearer to, dis, to, 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 to see. Yeah, well, worse actually makes it... Uh, for many people, harder to see because they don't understand the value of clarity. If they understood the value of clarity, mm. then it would be easy to see. But without understanding the value of clarity, it actually becomes harder to see, which is kind of strange. I know, even as I'm saying it, I can tell that it's strange. But it's true. If you don't really grasp the value of contrast, it just makes you more and more confused to see wider and wider variances between language and body language. And that's what we're experiencing today. I think that links well to what you said at the very beginning when you said you went to Cape Cod and they had a pride parade and how beautiful mm -hmm. it was 50 years ago. It was a completely different situation, yeah. you know, to yeah. be out and gay was very scary place for some people, very dangerous really? place for some people. But now having that freedom, it's there's, there's something you can't even describe. Yes. It's that beautiful. And, so and I wasted 60 seconds earlier to find a word to describe it. And I couldn't describe it. Yeah. 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 So you, it's hard. releasing that mask. Yeah. And when the I, mask think, I think I felt something different. similar in, in, in the feeling I felt with being nude. You know, eventually, and I can imagine the gay would have some similar kind of comment. Um, eventually, my question was, why do people wear clothes? <laughs> And by the way, you know, why, why are people we straight? Actually, why are people straight? <laughs> First episode of the year. If you look at the beginning of 2022, you'll find Louis the Nudist. That's where we did a whole conversation on this one. So you want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nudism is, 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 is really amazing when you, when you get into it. Um, it's just so liberating. So incredibly freeing. And I can imagine somebody who's, you know, closet gay. Um, and coming out, it's, it's very liberating as well. And then you get to the stage where who cares anymore? Well, let's just do whatever we want to and let's carry on with life. And then let's just focus on where we're going. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what's important. Where we're going. And yeah, where are we all, right all now? The resistance is gone now. All, all, all that stuff's out, out there. Now, where am I going? Where am I going? And that's the question I think a lot of people really need to put to themselves now. They've had the liberation. A lot of people have had the different types of liberation. Mm. Now it's where are you going? What are you doing? You know, are you saving soil? Are you saving the planet? <laughs> it always and, comes uh, back to soil. It always comes back <laughs> to the soil. <laughs> as, as, as the guy who leads it says, don't say I love you to your kids. Say, save soil. Save soil. <laughs> much more, much more than I love you. <laughs> the words of a true advocate coming out right <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, we didn't have our guest today, but we didn't lose anything in the process. This has been fun. And and there are going to be people who will see the title 42 and they'll say, what? 
because they won't know what the Douglas Adams series, but it won't matter because if they listen, they're going to say, this is a pretty good conversation. So thanks guys for a pretty good conversation. Yeah. Thanks. Well, excellent. Thanks much. And thank thanks you to learned. our, thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye. Everybody. Take care, everyone.